In the month of June, our society, America, celebrates something on June 16 called Father's Day. Y'all know that, right? I know I'm a little bit early, but I'm going to talk about fathers tonight. So the the title of my message tonight is Father, Dad, or Dud? See, some of us had dads, and we could say, man, my dad, he, oh, man, my dad, and some of us didn't have that kind of relationship. Some of us have moms that are like, man, mom was awesome, my mom was just amazing, and others of us didn't have that kind of relationship with our earthly mom, but here's the good news, because whether you had a great relationship with your dad or, or you didn't have a great relationship with your dad. Maybe your dad wasn't there. Maybe your dad was not so good. Maybe he didn't know Jesus. There's all kinds of reasons why dads don't do what they're supposed to do. But even if you didn't have a dad that was a rock star, and not in a rock star way, but in a really good dad, because if your dad was a rock star, we'll pray for you, because that's probably not a good thing. But even if your dad wasn't, completely awesome and always there for you and and completely supportive even if he wasn't you know what you have another father and his name is Jehovah and we're going to talk about that tonight that even if even if maybe your dad was a dud you can still have a great dad in heaven and he's our father now I found a report it's from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services they did a study back in 2006. And this study goes through, and it's, it's the title of the report. This is the front page of the report, but the title of the report is The Importance of Fathers in Healthy Development of Children. This is a government report funded by the tax dollars, and it was put on by, like I said, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And they go through, it's a 127-page report, And no, I didn't read all 127 pages, but I went through and I picked out some good statistics and I picked out some information that I I thought would be helpful for us tonight to set a stage that even the U.S. government recognizes the importance of fathers. This is is according to this report. I'll give you some facts here. This is what they said. The number one thing that a father can do to help his children develop into healthy, well-balanced adults. Here's the number one thing a father can do. Have a respectful, loving relationship with their mother. This is the U.S. government saying this now. This is not even the Bible. This is the U.S. government saying this. So fathers, the best thing you can do for your children is love their mother. I know everybody says that, but this this research also proves that out. It says the relationship with their mother is the number one thing they can do to help their children grow up to be well-adjusted adults. Respect is modeled and repeatable. So a respectful, loving relationship with your wife. Fathers, that's the number one thing you can do. The other thing it says... In the presence of a loving, caring father, education outcomes improve. They tend, when 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 a child was in a home that had a loving, caring father present, their educational outcomes improved. This is just a report. It's what it said. 
The other thing, a loving, caring father, the presence of a loving, caring father, it says it fosters emotional security, instills confidence, and helps the child to be more adaptable, more sociable, less likely to experience depression, and less likely to be dis- have disruptive behavior. And the fourth thing that they said a, a loving, caring, the presence of a loving, caring father will, will do, they're more likely to achieve academically also in the, when, the, when a loving, caring father is present. Now, you could say, well, it's too late for me. My kids are grown. You could say, well, no, it's, it's, it's this or it's that or I'm not a dad. Why are you talking to me? Because I'm a woman. Here's the, re- here's the reality. The reality is fathers are important. And even if you're a grandfather, you can still have huge impact on the next generation by being that presence of that loving, caring adult male in their lives. That all, every child needs a loving, caring adult male that, that, that will just lay down their lives for them and help them in their life. So this is another part of that report. It says... The positive relationship with a child's mother is the, the number one thing, like I said. The next thing that a father can do is spend time with their children. He says playing and having fun with a child is uh, uh, hugely important in their development. Because sometimes as dads, we, don't, we think, well, i got to mow the grass. i got to make sure that the, it's edged. And i got to make sure that everything's weed whipped. And i got to do this and i got to do this. And the, the little boy or girl that's in your house says, Daddy, will you play? And by the time you're done doing all the work you got to do, the kid's sleeping, right? But I would say what they're saying here is take a few minutes, spend time with them, play with them, play Play dolls with them if they're a little girl. Play trucks with them. Play dolls if they're a little boy. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But have fun with them. Play what they like to play. Nurture. Provide a model of masculinity. It helps the girl know how to be treated, number one. And it models a little boy and how men treat women. So when you treat your wife with respect, when you treat, your, your, if you treat women with respect, what it does is it models to those little boys who are always watching, it models to them how they need to treat women. And how they, it models to them how they need to respect others. Another thing that effective fathering does is it provides appropriate discipline. This is, again, from the report now. This sounds like a teaching from James Dobson, doesn't it? But or focus on the family. But this was from this report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Appropriate discipline, never in anger, but yet firm. Now, that's, it's the importance that we can't be always best friends with our kids, and we have to, have them, we have to help them make right choices, and sometimes they don't like it, but never in anger and never out of rejection. The other important thing we can do as dads is just be a guide to the outside world. The outside world's a scary place. Teach them skills right down to how to, how to tell if their car has something wrong with it. Help them fix their car. Better than fixing their car, show them how to fix their car. Show them how to, how to change the oil in the lawnmower. Show them how to bake if they show them how to do whatever it is they want to do help them show them help them with new experiences and then also provide a safe place for them to tell you how they're feeling 
So we serve as a role model. Dads, fathers, we serve as role models. So we need to be purposeful. And this is, again, this is still from that report. This, again, it sounds like something from Focus on the Family, but it's, it's a government report. It says, be purposeful in your life. Here's one. Follow your own rules. In other words, don't be a hypocrite. Don't tell them not to smoke while you're smoking. Okay? Follow your own rules. Okay? So we got to follow our own rules. And then the last one, which might be the hardest, is admit when you're wrong. Boy, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd say this was written by um, a, a family counselor or something. But it says admit when you're wrong. I remember when my kids were young. My youngest is now 19. And I have three grandchildren. But I remember when my, my youngest was probably 11. He did maybe 12. He did something and, and it wasn't good. It, it was a mistake. It was, it was not good. It wasn't malicious or anything like that. But it wasn't good. And I raised my voice at him. And I said, knock it off. I said something like that. And he looked at me. And if you know my youngest son, you probably slap me because he's like the nicest kid in the world. But what are you doing yelling at that kid, you idiot? You know, something like that. It's probably what you'd say to me. But that's what I was thinking too when, as soon as I was done. And I walked up to his room and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I sh- totally should not have yelled at you. That was wrong. What I did was so wrong. And please forgive me. He looked at me and he said, that's okay, Dad. And I had a teaching moment. He said, that's okay. I said, son, it's not okay. It's not okay for me to treat you like that. It's not okay for me to yell at you. It's not okay for me to do this. It's not okay for anybody to treat you like I treated you tonight. Don't allow people to treat you like that. I was wrong. Instead of saying it's okay, you need to look at me and say, yes, you're right. That was wrong, but I forgive you. And I told him that that day, and it was a turning point where he stopped kind of letting people, because he was always so nice, he was letting people run over top of him. And I had to say, no, stop it. Don't let people run over top of you. Rather, when they do come and say, I'm sorry, don't say it's okay, because it's not okay. But here's what it is. You can say, I forgive you, though. I acknowledge, yes, you're right, it was wrong, and I forgive you. And that's a huge lesson that we can show our kids. And sometimes we do dumb things, dads, and we got to admit when we do dumb things and not say, well, I'm never wrong. I'm your dad. Well, yes, you are wrong, even if you are their dad, because you're human, right? So what is it that dads do? And what if you didn't have a dad who did that? What if you had a dad that said, I'm right, dang it, because I'm your dad, and shut up and sit over there? Because there's some that did that, right? What if, what if, what do we do then? What, what do we do? Here's what, here's what scripture talks about. Number one, Psalm 68, it says that his name is Yah, and we rejoice before him. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. God is, God in his holy habitation, he sets the solitary in families. So it says that he is the father to the fatherless. This is God talking. God, Yahweh, Jehovah, he is a father 
to the fatherless. So if you didn't have a God, if you didn't have a father that was godly in the way that he raised you, if you didn't, God says, I am a father to the fatherless. And if, even if you didn't even have a family, maybe you're estranged from your family. Maybe you're, you're not in a, in a relationship um, that is healthy and you're, and you're kind of by yourself and you're all alone. He says that he sets the solitary or the lonely, he sets them in families. God does that. That's Psalm 68, verses six. It actually starts with verse five. So the needs that are provided or the needs that are met from a father, number one is acceptance. The number one need that you meet as a father, the one number one need that we need met as people from our father in heaven is the need to be accepted. That's that, that song that we sang earlier, I am chosen, not forsaken. Ephesians chapter one, verse six talks about that. It says, we are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 6, there it is. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Christ Jesus. God has accepted us. The number one thing a father can provide to his children's children is acceptance. You love them and right after that, part of that love is acceptance. The next thing we can provide as fathers is approval. You ever watch a little, a little kid? We have a granddaughter who's three. Watch me, watch me, watch me, right? Every little boy, look, mama, look, mama, right? And every, every man wants to show off for his woman, right? And every little boy wants to show off for his mama. And little girls want to show off when they're three or four. My little granddaughter does. She goes, look, Papa, look, Papa. And I have to watch her do whatever she's doing and then clap like crazy because it's, oh, you're awesome, right? What are they looking for? They're looking for approval, right? So what do we do? If he, I, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43, verse 1, it says, is that what we're looking at? I mean, that's not the one we're looking at. But thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. He, it must be verse 2. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He's saying, man, you're mine. You, you, you're mine. Fear not, I have called you. I have called you by your name and you're mine. I approve of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says that we've been made and we trust through Christ toward God that not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. You got the next one there? Or is that the end of it? Our sufficiency is from God, which means we are, we are approved. Our sufficiency, we're enough. The question that every little kid has, every person has, is am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I good enough to do this? Will they like me? Am I approved? Am I accepted? That's the questions that, that people have. So we as fathers, we can provide that for our children, or we as adults, we can get that from our God. We can get that from our Heavenly Father. We can get acceptance. He's accepted us. We can get approval. He has approved of you. And then affection. 
providing affection. Providing affection. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely would a righteous man for, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might, would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. It's talking about be rooted and grounded in the love of God. To be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Have that love poured into your heart. Romans chapter 5 talks about the love of Christ has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. That love that's in your heart. He gives us the affection that we need. God gives us that affection that we need. He pours it out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If, you're, if, you, if you say, God, I just need to feel your love. You know what you do? You say, God, get along with God. Put these verses in there and say, God, I know you love me. I know you love me. I thank you that you love me. And you know what's going to happen sooner or later? You stay in there long enough, you know what's going to happen? The love of God is going to get shed abroad or explode in your heart. And you're going to realize, God loves me. And you're going to begin to get a revelation or a realization of how much God loves you. The next thing that we need and we can provide to our children, fathers, we can provide this. Association. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying, I want to be associated with you. In fact, I want you in my family. I'm going to adopt you into my family. That association, that's why kids join gangs. That's why people, kids will dress like their favorite um, sports star. That's why I've, I've seen kids do hairstyles like sports stars. They dress like people. They, they do different things. Why? Because they want to be associated with that particular success story or that particular person. But we, here we see that God says... The spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's adopted us. He, he wants to be associated with us. It's one of our major needs. And for us to fathers, to our children, we provide that by being with them and identifying with them and looking them in the eyes and saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my, you're my granddaughter, you're my grandson. You are special to me. You're precious. You just speak life to them, right to their eyes, right to their face. And what it does is it provides confidence. It provides an anchor to their heart and to their soul so that when they're older and then they, they get all these competing ideas about who they are and somebody tells them something mean, you know what happens? They can come back and say, well, Papa thinks I'm pretty, so Right? Somebody said, you're ugly. Well, my papa thinks I'm pretty, so 
on you, right? That's what you hope happens. Is that not right? Anybody who's a grandpa says that's what we hope happens, right? They can say, Papa thinks I'm beautiful, so you can go jump in a lake. The last thing that a child needs from his father is he needs to have a sense of authority, that he is not a victim. As a, a young person, if you're not careful, you're smaller than everybody else, you're weaker than most people, and you can tend to, if you're not careful, little ones can tend to feel like victims because they're small and they, they, they don't have the strength of the big people. So what we as, as fathers, we as parents need to do is give them a sense of authority. Kind of like when I said to my son, it's not okay for people to treat you like this right? I gave him a sense of authority. You don't need to allow people to treat you like this. It's wrong for people to treat you like this. It was wrong when I did it. It'll be wrong whenever somebody else does it. Stand up for yourself, right? You know what that's doing? That's giving a sense of authority, that you're not a victim, but you have authority. And now what does it say, what does it say in Mark chapter 16? Mark chapter 16, or no, Luke chapter 10, 16, there you go. There we go. Behold, Jesus talking, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And what does it say next? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have the authority of Jesus' name. All authority over heaven, all authority on this earth. He's given it to us in his name. He's given us authority. We as, as young children, they need to know that they have authority, that they're not a victim. But even us as adults, we need to understand we have authority. We don't have to just take whatever the devil throws at us. We don't have to just take it. We don't have to roll over because we have authority in Jesus' name. We don't need to just roll over. Your heavenly father wants to to make a revelation to all of us. Whether you had Billy Graham for your dad or whether you had somebody less than present at your, as your father, it didn't matter which you had. You can be a great father. You can be a successful person. You can have these things that, that you need in your life. You can have a sense. You can have this sense of acceptance and approval and affection and association and authority. You can have that in your life. How? Because God can give us all those things. He's already provided all the things that we need for life and godliness. Now, my, my dad, my dad went to heaven in 1997. March the 16th, 1997, he died and went to heaven. I was only 30, 32 I think, 32 or 33. And when he died, it was a, it was a rough day because my dad was a wonderful dad. He was an incredible dad to me. But you know, my dad was the sixth of eight children. He was born in 1920. And when his father died when he was only three years old and he had a younger brother and a younger sister and he was only three. And he had five older brothers and sisters besides. So they, there they sat in a little town called Borculo, Michigan. 
with a widow lady whose husband had just gotten killed at 40, 40 some years old. And it was 1923. And they didn't have any government programs. And they didn't have much to help. They had some, they had some farm animals and they, they, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have a bathroom because it was that time in, in history. They had a, a stove in the living room and that's how they stayed warm. So my dad grew up in that situation. He never had a father that he remembered because his father was killed when he was only three years old in a, car, in a um, farming accident. But yet my dad came to know Jesus and my dad laid his life down for his nine children. I am the youngest of nine children. I have four older brothers and four older sisters and I was the tiebreaker. Dad always told me he couldn't end at a tie so they had me. They had to figure out who was going to win, the boys or the girls. So I was number nine. I got a brother old enough to be my father and all my grandparents were gone before I was really born except for my mom's dad who was alive until I was 12. But all the rest of them were gone. But my dad never had a dad. But yet my dad was an amazing father to me. He loved me. He, gave, he always called me his boy. He goes, this is my boy. He'd say that to his friends. He'd take me with me places. He'd take me with him places. He'd grab my hand. We'd go to the coffee house, the coffee shop in Borculo. We'd go there and sit, and I'd sit there with him and all his buddies. I didn't know what they were talking about, but I was sitting with the men. I was the man because I was sitting with all the men. My dad would take me with him. And, and he would take me to ball games, and I'd sit in the dugout with him, and he taught me how to do the book. And you know, to this day, I still do the book when I'm coaching baseball because my dad taught me how to keep score and keep the book. And I sat in the, in the upper, um, I, I announced the games for these baseball games. As about a 10-year-old kid, I was announcing games because my dad was the coach, and he and he let me come in the dugout with him. And I had this sense of identity. And I knew he loved me. And he always watched out for me. See, he gave me a precious gift. He would work from, he'd get up at four in the morning. He worked from six in the morning till nine at night. Two jobs to feed all us hungry kids. He'd come home. First thing he'd do is, come on, boy. Let's get to get you to bed. So he'd go and he'd put me to bed before he even eat he'd put me to bed and he'd get on his knees and he'd pray with me and he'd pray with me and he said love you son you're gonna be all right we're gonna get there it's okay and he just spoke life to me he prayed with me he taught me how to read the bible I saw him loving my mother I saw him reading the bible I saw him going to church on Sundays and he modeled how to be a godly man. See, that is such a precious gift. And I know I can say that and some of you are like, well, that's great for you. What about me? Here's the thing. You can have the same thing because you have a heavenly father who loves you. You have a heavenly father who, who desperately loves you more than my dad loved me. I want to, why do I talk about my dad? Because my dad was a great man. And he modeled fatherhood even though he never saw it for himself. He never had a father at all. Didn't have a father, good or bad. 
because his dad died. But yet he became a fantastic father. He became a fabulous father, even though he didn't have a model of one. So even if you didn't have a good one, even if you didn't have a good model, you can still be a great one. You could still be a great grandfather. You can still be a great influence in somebody else's life. Even if you don't have any children, go be a positive influence in somebody else's life because you know what? There's, there's millions of kids who don't have that influence in their life like we've had. And you can be that influence in their lives. It's not just about fathers. It's about pouring into the next generation and giving them a sense of acceptance, a sense of association, a sense of authority, a sense of love, that they are loved by God. How do we know that we're loved by God? We know we're loved by God many times because we feel the love of other people. That's, that's one of the ways that we know we're loved by God is we have Jesus with skin on and he loves us through the people that were there. See, so today, if you're a dad, be a dad, not a dud. You can be a dad. You can be a true hero of a, of a father. You can be a, a father to people that aren't even your biological children. You can be, I'm, a, I'm a, a father figure to a lot of kids that aren't my kids because they maybe don't have one in their life and we, we open our home and let them come whenever they want. Why? Because we love them and we, just, we accept them. And the unconditional love that we can show them can change their lives. And that's what we can see today. As we think about fathers this, this year, this, this month with Father's Day, I want to, to, to bring one point home that even if you didn't have one, even if you didn't have a good one, you can still be a good one and you can know that you have a heavenly father that is perfect, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's faithful, that he'll never hurt you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he'll never ever be unfair to you. He'll always have your best interest in mind. You know, he'll discipline you, but it'll never be harsh. It'll never be unfair. He's because he's, he is a perfect, loving father who loves us perfectly. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that we can call you father. That even as Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, that as we, as we are in this month where the society is, is celebrating fathers today, we celebrate that you are our heavenly Father. And we thank you that today as we, as we rejoice that you are for us, you're not against us, and we are who you say we are, we thank you for it, Father. And we thank you that we can have confidence. We can always come to you. Your, your door is never closed. And you're, you're always available to us, no matter what time of the day or night. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.